So it's the second or third week of October, and there are certain things occurring on the ice that aren't exactly going according to plan. The plan having been one that the GM and the head coach very much agreed upon. But it's just not happening. And the GM has already kind of sent some signals as to how he'd rather see things going. But those aren't being received yet. Or if they are, they're not being received willingly. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Panthers 3, Golden Knights 2 in overtime on a Carter Verhage goal. But I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that none other than Matthew Kachuk scored in the final two minutes to tie And what a scene, I think, for hockey that was in Sunrise, Florida last night. I don't care. They're the ultimate bandwagoners. You can call them whatever names you want because you've seen that place sitting there empty, whether it's in person or on TV, for decades. And now all of a sudden it's booming and Dan Marino's pounding the drum at the beginning and and everybody's all revved up and we love our Panthers. We've loved them forever and whatever. whatever. Throw it out the window. What matters more than anything, I think, in this whole scenario, in this final, is the growth of the sport. And you watched it grow in a single spurt last night. Take it from someone who lived through those spurts here in Pittsburgh 30 plus years ago. Sometimes it's just a big, big instant, a big, big achievement, and everyone is part of it. Everyone feels like they're part of it. Florida is kind of a different place than Pittsburgh in a lot of ways. Very few of them for the better. But I still believe that this will have the kind of impact that, let's say, for example, the Hurricanes' recent success has had in Raleigh. And of course, of course, what the Golden Knights have achieved in such a short time in Las Vegas. And even, I guess you could throw in the Kraken in Seattle. It's fun. It's fun. Now we have a series. Now it's not a sweep. Now now we have a chance for this to be something that could be really, really good. I'm going to go back to my hypothetical at the beginning. That whole cryptic scenario with the GM and the head coach. I think based on what we've seen and heard, and it's been very, very little, obviously, from Kyle Dubas to date, we can both see and hear that he's going to be in complete control of hockey. In fact, that's something that I've been told. There isn't going to be a autonomous this or uh, answers to that. The Fenway Sports Group people, as I've been saying for a while now, aren't hockey people. They don't know hockey. They don't pretend to know hockey. They shouldn't. So even with the GM, maybe in name only, still to be hired, Dubas has made clear that he's going to be that guy. He's going to be making those moves. Okay, he's in charge. But that would also apply to people below him, most notably Mike Sullivan. What have I been talking about only in the hypothetical sense for weeks now, all through this search, 
I was putting forth that the Penguins need to bring in someone who's unafraid to flex their muscles. That's going to be, wait, no, no, that has to be Dubas. It has to be. And he can't just let something go if he sees it down at ice level, if he approaches the head coach, has a good civil, let's have it all out type conversation, and still nothing changes, there's going to be a problem. Now, I think, as longtime listeners know, the world of Sullivan, I believe he's a guy who will actually welcome having someone over him who, you know, knows what the hell he's doing. Here's hoping anyway. It's got to be an upgrade from what was here before. And I think he'll further welcome the chance to have that dialogue, to have some input before there's some harebrained scheme hatched to go get Mikhail Granlund for a gazillion dollars, but also to throw in a second round pick. I believe that Sullivan's going to be among the most enthusiastic supporters of Dubas. But I also know and believe that Sullivan's got his ways and he's going to stick by them. And he's going to need a fight at some point about something, probably early in the process. Maybe it's a refusal to try Drew O'Connor in the top six, even after Dubas would say, listen, we don't need to keep Jason Zucker or, for that matter, replace Zucker because you've got O'Connor and you want to give him that chance, provided he earns it. I don't, I don't, I don't ever throw that in with just saying, let him do whatever he wants. He's got to show up every night. He's got to make an impression. He's got to win it. But you can make that part of your plan or your expectation. And let's just say that Sullivan wants no part of that. And even though he runs out lines a certain way in the preseason, the real game started. There's O'Connor again on the third line or the fourth line. I don't believe that anyone, including a reporter like me, is going to be privy to this. But I'll bet something happens. I'll bet there's a dialogue and I'll bet there's an instruction given. For the first time in a very, very, very long time. Maybe the first time since Sullivan's been here because the relationship between Sully and Jim Rutherford was very different. JR was old school to the max, and that included not telling the head coach how to run his bench. What happened at ice level was the domain of the head coach. JR was more involved in day-to-day stuff than most new school GMs but not there that was the that was the red line that he wouldn't cross I, I don't see that being the case here when we come back J1Q from Cody, who lays out a bunch of things here. He says, in my ideal circumstance for next season, the Penguins will retain Jason Zucker on a 4 to $5 million deal. Nah, that's not going to happen. And Drew O'Connor is on the third line with Ryan Paling and Alex Nylander. I guess that's at least plausible, but I don't think so. 
I'm sorry, I keep interrupting your scenarios here. I'll just read the rest. I happen to think that their playing styles mesh extremely well together and they just need time to develop together. They'll scare a lot of teams with their ability to forecheck, possess pucks, break up ice at high speeds to create a lot of grade-A chances. What are your thoughts on a third line of O'Connor, Paling, and Nylander? All three of these players I have to answer separately before I get into anything together. O'Connor, as I just mentioned in the opening segment, I believe he needs a chance in the top six. I believe this team needs to start striking a different pose when it comes to facing opponents and having someone who will bring that center drive, who will bring that size, who will bring that forecheck. And as I look up, and down the entire organizational roster, there's only one player who fits that bill. You've got him right here. You might as well try him. I'm not predicting success, but you might as well try. So third line, banger, whatever, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Paling is a different case. Paling had recurring injury issues, and when I say recurring injury issues, I mean it was one thing that kept happening that would sporadically keep him out, and that's troublesome. Until you can nail that and really address it and have him come into camp and know that he can come into camp. By the way, he's not signed. He's a restricted free agent. I hope he is okay. You're talking about someone who timed Speed-wise with Connor McDavid this past season, who's also got size, he's got a scoring touch, scored some of the prettiest goals out of those seven that the team had all season. Former first-round pick in Montreal. Uh, You don't want to just throw someone like that out, but you got to make sure that he's healthy. So I'll I'll renege on that one as well for now. Um, Nylander, you know, he came up and he showed some offensive awareness when he was put on the... Evgeny Malkin line right away, and that's to his credit. He's always had that. There's not that much else to his game, and what distressed me the most about Nylander, and this didn't take long, dude, shoot the puck once in a blue moon. He wouldn't do it at all. I don't know enough about his game to know if that was just him being, you know, weirded out by being with these superstars or a new team or the fact that he'd spent so much time in the minors that he no longer thought he was worthy of this level or whatever it was, he would not shoot. And when he had chances, I'm talking really, really good chances, to his credit, he'd either badly misfire or not shoot at all. And... Tell me what else he he brings. There's not that much more to his game. I like him. I like him. But I don't see – I'm not seeing what you're seeing here, Cody, is, is what I'm saying here. It doesn't mean you're wrong. doesn't mean I'm right. It's just me sharing my opinion of, of, of your opinion there. Oh, also, Zucker's going to get more than 4 or $5 million. Uh, Teams watched what he did this past season, and all it takes is one. And maybe that's Minnesota – and bringing him home. Uh, maybe it's, you know, somebody else like uh, Detroit, the way if you think about the way Steve Eiserman was spending money with the Red Wings last year, where he would just find someone like a David Perron and say, look, I can just pay him and instantly upgrade my whole roster. You might see something like that. But uh, no, you're not going to see Zucker get 
lowballed here, and Zucker's not dumb. He's not just going to say, I'll take whatever you can give me, Pittsburgh. That Nobody does that. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we're going to do another one of these on Monday.